1: Kevin is a retired United States Army lieutenant colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall.
2: Of A Different Perspective, I am Kevin Randall. Before we get started... I'm going to do one of my patented, probably copyrighted uh, uh, rants is what I should say. Uh, First, I am tired of hearing pundits, talking heads, TV commentators, talk about sending our sons and daughters into war. I'm only tired about this because, A, it's much more than the sons and daughters. What about the mothers and fathers? And what about the grandparents? The oldest uh, field grade officer to be killed in Iraq was 60. We had a... um, command sergeant major in the Iowa National Guard. And she uh, was deployed to Iraq. I mentioned this because uh, the last time I saw her, she'd, she'd um, come into the staff meeting and said, hey, oh, I'm going on deployment, I'll be back in six months, I'll be back before you know it. Uh, three weeks later she was killed when her helicopter was shot down. I mentioned this only because she was a grandmother. So I'm thinking that, you know, when we're talking about who we deploy into the combat environments, we got to remember the mothers and fathers and the grandparents. Uh, we had a couple, a number of couples, married couples who deployed with us. I was always thinking we should leave the uh, one of them home to take care of the children rather than deploy them both. The battalion commander didn't like my idea much, but that's a little different story. The point simply is it's much more than just the sons and daughters and the youngsters going into the combat environments. It's uh, Many of the older uh, Americans as well. The other part of the rant has to do with something that annoys me and probably will be considered whining. But there's some things that uh, trip my trigger. The other day I was looking for something specifically, and I came came across a quote where they talked about the uh, Barney and Betty Hill abduction and how originally they thought the aliens that Barney described were closer to those that were in the program, The Outer Limits, called the Bolero Shield episode. I have said for literally decades that the alien that Barney described was much closer to um, a Twilight Zone episode called Hocus Pocus and Frisbee. The aliens in there looked a lot m- more like the alien that uh, Hill described. And I'm thinking, I've said this for 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 a long time, somebody's finally picked up on it, but I get no credit for it. Uh, One other thing is the Gazette headline, Cedar Rapids Gazette headline, which I've always thought was classic, belongs in a science fiction movie. And it was from uh, July, 1952, sightings over Washington, DC. And it said, saucers swarm over Capitol banner headline across the front page, big letters. I have seen that repeated many, many times. And I know I'm the one that discovered, but no credit is ever given to me. And finally. I think it's Susan Blackmore did a study on alien abduction, and she came up with the idea that uh, sleep paralysis will explain some of this. This was something that Russ Estes, Bill Cohn, and I had written about 10 years before she came out with her study. No credit in the book, no suggestion of our research. So I thought, uh, you know, it's just a little bit uh, annoying to see those sorts of things without it. Okay, let's move on to the original topic, which was going to be drones. First of all, some acknowledgments. I want to thank uh, Bill Murray, Murphy. I'm sorry, Bill. Bill Murphy, Susan and Rob Zwiatek, Greg Long, Paul Seaborn, Fran Ridge, and probably a dozen others that deserve some credit for the work that they have done on following the drone episodes in Colorado, Nebraska, and uh, Wyoming. I originally thought of this as being an investigation of the drones, but it's kind of morphed into an anatomy of the in, uh, investigation. And if you appreciate this, let me know in the comments uh, and we can do some additional shows where we do kind of an anatomy of the investigations. I've always talked about something I call chasing footnotes. And what that means simply is I'll find something written about in a book that um, I'm interested in following up on. And I look. I take the footnote to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, till I get to the final source material. I chase it all the way to the end. Best example of this is I was looking for a um, UFO, a disk-shaped sighting just prior to Arnold's sighting, meaning in the, the weeks prior to this, because skepticals, the skeptics have suggested that the idea of flying saucers was born by the misunderstanding of what uh, Kenneth Arnold had said on the June 24th sighting his uh, June 24th sighting. I found a reference to an article that was uh, quoted by Frank Edwards that talked about a sighting on June 23rd, disk shaped objects. And I was able to follow that to another source, to another source and finally learned that it had appeared in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. I went to the library and pulled the microfilm copies of the Cedar Rapids Gazette and finally found the original story. Wasn't on June 24th. As everybody had said, it actually uh, the sightings apparently took place on June 24th, if we believe the guy, but it wasn't published until two or three days later. And that kind of negated the importance of it. The point simply is I was able to chase the source to the beginning and uh, find out what the true story was, even though the footnotes would have led me to the conclusion I wanted. I wanted to get to the original source. So I chase footnotes to the end sometimes. And you can use the inf- internet to find this kind of information. It's available there if you ask the right questions, and sometimes you have to f- form the question very specifically. And the best example I can think of this is I was looking for a specific uh, award that was a given uh, a presidential unit citation given to the 187th Assault Helicopter Company. And I would type in 187th Assault Helicopter Company and couldn't get to what I wanted. I finally typed in 187th with the TH, AHC and it took me right to where I wanted to go. So you've got to form the questions right when you're doing the footnote. And the other thing that I would say is you have to uh, look at both sides. You have to look at all the information available, both pro and con, and decide for you what is the most persuasive rather than finding the information you want and then sort of abandoning the search at that. I've got what I wanted to say. I am lucky And then I know an awful lot of those people involved in UFO research. So I can call them and ask them questions. I was listening to an audio tape with Charles Holt, the colonel from uh, uh, Rendlesham Forest, Um, Peter Robbins, who wrote the book with Larry Warren left at uh, Eastgate, Larry Warren and Robert Osler talking about what was going on. And as I was listening to that, Halt asked Warren, had he ever taken a lie detector test? And Warren said, no, but he had been given a voice stress analysis by um, Larry Fawcett. And I said uh, to myself, I know Larry Fawcett. So I called him up and asked him. He said, no, he'd never done that. He, he didn't give voice stress analysis. He wasn't really, that wasn't his thing. Um, The point is I was able to get to the source or or, or get to the final information because I happened to know the guy and I had his phone number and I could call him and get that. So now with all of that said, let's move on to drones. And these are unidentified aerial phenomenon, UFOs. And it was reported that um, they were being seen in, Unusual circumstances, unusual numbers uh, flying around eastern Colorado, sometimes into southwestern Nebraska and southeastern Wyoming. And if you look at a map of the area, it's sort of a, an area where those states are close together and those events were taking place. So it's something that was specific to that area. And it seemed unusual that they suddenly had all these drone sightings. And it gives us a chance to look at how UFO investigations should have happened in the beginning, or or how they should be happening today as well, as opposed to the way they're actually conducted. And we start
4: with With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees. Banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game.
5: We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick. Sorry, kids.
4: (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet?
5: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.
2: But The idea that they're looking at some kind of an unusual phenomenon, something that's strange, something that's captured their attention. But what's the difference here between the UAPs, the drones, and UFOs? Well, we know drones exist. I myself have a little one that I fly underneath my house periodically. Uh, They're used by everybody. Uh, TV stations use them for aerial footage. The military has, I suppose, you could say literally tens of thousands of drones in various sizes, shapes and, and missions. With UFOs, we still question the reality. We wonder what they are. Can they be alien spacecraft? Are they some kind of an experimental aircraft? Are they just misidentifications of natural phenomena? Are they delusions, hallucinations? Are they just outright lies told by the people who are reporting these things for their 10 minutes of fame, for their 10 minutes of uh, television expo- expo- exposure? Sometimes I have trouble with words and I do not know why. But that seemed to be a good place to break off. When I come back, we'll talk a little bit about how this drone thing started in Colorado, what we know about it today, and what things we can learn about it and maybe apply to investigations of all kinds. I will, of course, put up more information about this and links to some various articles prepared by these people on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Take a look at Roswell in the 21st century if you wanna know what really happened there and get an idea of what I think is the truth. And of course, there's always Encounter in the Desert, which is an exploration of the Lonnie Zamora sighting from April of 1964, and gives you an idea of what uh, that investigation entailed. I will be back right after this with uh, more information about the drones. So stick around.
5: Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. More and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. For more information, visit pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com, or call 404-474-0086, that's 404-474-0086. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
2: I am here by myself talking about drones. And when we left, I just began to get into the aspect of the drones. Now, according to some of the documentation I was able to find, the first reports began on December 20th, 2019. As I delved deeper into it, I got a different date, and we'll get to that a little bit later. The information about the drones actually exploded on Christmas Eve 2019, and it came from the Denver Post. Um, As an aside, as I was growing up in the Colorado area, I actually carried the Rocky Mountain News, which was the competitor newspaper to the Denver Post. But that's a little personal side interest that is of no importance. What the Post reported was a band of large drones appears to be flying nighttime search patterns over northwestern, should be northeastern Colorado. Local authorities don't know who is behind them. The drones stay about two to 300 feet in the air and fly in squares of about 25 miles. There are at least 17 drones, and they appear at night between uh, 7 p.m. and disappear around 10, 10 o'clock in the morning, or 10 o'clock in the evening, I should say. The FAA and the Air Force say that the drones are not theirs. The Army said there was no training program in the area that involves drones. And I should point out that Fort Carson, Colorado, is close by, and it's a huge, huge military installation, so there's all sorts of training going on, but the Army says there's no training in the air that involves drones, and given the mission of the training at Fort Carson, I'm not surprised. Uh, One man said he watched eight drones flying along the border of Yuma County, which again is northeastern Colorado. About 25 miles away, a single drone hovered all night. The drones fly too high to be heard, but can be seen because they're strobing red, blue, and green lights, which if you're trying to hide something, the last thing you want to do is put strobing lights on it. And I will point out that even the Predator drones, these big drones that the military uses, can basically hover at um, extreme altitudes. And they're they're small enough that when they get up to 20,000 feet, they really can't be seen but from the ground with the unaided eye, and they the engines are virtually uh, impossible to hear at those altitudes. One of the things that the people have asked about the drones, well, how come nobody's tried to shoot them down? And I think the Denver Post article covered that. It said at the end of the article, don't attempt to shoot down the drones. It's a federal crime. I think about something else. If you're firing a weapon into the air like that, you have to wonder about where the where the round is going to come down. And if you... Look at the stories of celebratory gunfire, these idiots that go out and they're celebrating something and firing their guns in the air. Those rounds come down and people are injured. I know Mythbusters said if you fired straight into the air and if the round was coming straight down, it did not pick up enough terminal velocity to really injure anybody. But if you're firing at a trajectory, then people can be injured and can be killed. There's any number of documented cases of that happening. So I thought it was interesting that they point out it's a federal offense to try to shoot down the, uh, the drones. Uh, On on December 24th, again, Christmas Eve, more drones were reported, more than a dozen drones over Phillips and Yuma counties, again, in northeastern Colorado. The drones were tracked by sheriff's deputies. We have law enforcement involved in this. They seem to be higher and were larger than FAA regulations allowed unless they were registered. And for those of that don't understand this, um, the little hobby drones that that some of us fly, they they don't get high enough. They do not get... uh, they're not large enough that they're not covered by FAA regulations, but if they meet certain criteria, and I think it's like 55 pounds and a wingspan of six feet, maybe smaller than that, um, then they must be registered with the FAA and you have to follow the normal flight rules that you would fly follow if you were flying an aircraft. Well, in another story, we've got drones with a wingspan of six feet flying at two to 300 feet above the ground. They noted in these stories, that there seems to be nothing malicious or criminal going on. The drones are just out there flying, they're not really bothering anybody. Uh, it's noted that the decrease in prices of drones make them attractive to smugglers. It noted one man was sentenced to four years for attempting to smuggle drugs into a prison using a drone. I don't know if he was outside the prison trying to smuggle it to friends in there or he was, uh, friends were trying to get the drone into him or what was going on. But anyway, uh, drones have been used like that. And in a line that sort of reflects the Roswell situation, one man said, "We just want to know if one lands, or if one, or if they see someone operating one. That's what we want." And this reminded me of Howard McCoy in a number of different briefings in the 1947-1948 issue uh, area era, said that he wished that, they, that one would crash so they could recover the debris and find out what was really going on. And it's kind of a stumbling block for those of us who lean toward the extraterrestrial for Roswell, where we have a guy who was on the inside and should have known what was going on, lamenting the fact they didn't have a crashed one, although had one crashed at Roswell, he should have known it. So the question is, was he for some reason outside the loop? Or was he lying about it or was he telling the truth? Well, that's, that's for you to make, make up your own mind. And I, I discussed that a little bit in, in Roswell in the 21st century. So anyhow, there's a, uh, in these stories, and when alleged journalists, and I use that because I, I watch way too much of the um, news, news media on television, but the speculation begins to run wild, or at least to my mind, it was running wild. Um, they were trying to figure out challenging ways to trace the drones back to their point of origin, because they don't need runways, they can be launched and recovered from very small areas, and with their lights out, they're nearly impossible to see, especially in the dark. Drones t- don't take much money for one person or small group to operate the drones. And here's where we get into the wild speculation. The articles mention attacks on the Saudi oil, oil fields in September of 9- uh, 2019. And I think you all remember that, the, um, the news about the- possibly the Iranians using drones to attack, um, the- try to set the oil fields on fire. They- they talked about stripping the video gear and place that with explosives or electronic warfare gear, which means you get a drone up in an area and then it broadcasts a jamming signal. Or they could swarm attack against a target, meaning you've got 15 or 20 things coming in at one time and you're trying to defend against that, and it's difficult to do if you're being attacked from all sides all at once. By something that's so small and so hard to see, it's, it's, ty- it's, it's difficult to take them out. But then they mention something that becomes interesting, that the drones were sighted near the missile fields that are controlled out of uh, Francis E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming. So now we, we're in southwestern Wyoming and the in Cheyenne and Warren isn't that far north of the Colorado border. A little bit further from the Nebraska border, but we're now talking about the, the missile fields that are in that area. I'm not sure how many missile silos there are, but it's controlled by Warren, Warren Air Force Base. Um, I'll note that the Predator drones used extensively by the U.S. military, which I mentioned, uh, fly high, remain in one place for hours, and are impossible from the ground. So they can just stand off and, and look to see what's going on. One article that is somewhat resistant, re- Reminiscent of the early days of flying saucer reports, a sheriff's officer ruled out Santa and his reindeer. Uh, I, I don't know why they feel they have to make these kind of comments because it kind of denigrates the whole investigation. But uh, and that that's a thing that we see with ufology frequently too. Well, you know, um, what did the aliens look like? Or were they little green men? You know, the kind of ridicule factor you bring to this. Well, we're dealing with something that's real here, and we just really don't have to make light of it in that fashion. Maybe I'm overreacting to that. Maybe I should have crossed that whole thing out. One of the texts reported that um, maybe it was aliens. So we're back to the alien aspect. But again, we're talking about drones. We're talking about something that is not interplanetary or interstellar and certainly not large enough uh, for what we're talking about here to carry any kind of an individual. Uh, There are some new observations that came out in that time frame and there were reports as many as 30 drones flying together. And they sometimes are flying in um, three or four pairs together, so in in kind of a formation like that. There was a theory that uh, infrared on the drones to search for gas leaks. They were being used by the um, oil companies to search for gas leaks in their gas pipelines. And using the infrared at night, then they could pick up the leaks much easier than they could find them in the daylight using that sort of thing. But it seems if some company was doing that, and we're beginning to get the publicity for this, and it was national publicity, so we all knew about it, that it would seem to me that the company doing that would have gone to the sheriff, would have gone to the FAA, would have gone to the local authorities and let them in on the secret, said, "Yeah, this is what we're doing, you don't need to worry about it, we're very careful about following the proper regulations. But that didn't happen, which suggests it, although an interesting explanation, it just isn't one that uh, seems viable. The FAA reported that they had no information that would confirm the drones being used for that. The Lincoln County Sheriff in Lincoln County, again being in northeastern Colorado, mentioned he had recently received a first report of a drone possibly hitting an aircraft out of the Lyman Airport. Lyman is in far eastern Colorado, just a little bit east of the border with Kansas. And he said, I would like it not to be in my county. In other words, the sheriff was not real happy with uh, drone sightings in his county. And again, we get another warning about shooting them down. Don't do it. It's a federal federal, uh, federal crime. So what we're looking at here is um, the kind of reports we would get from flying saucers. A lot of people seeing the things, a lot of speculation about what it could possibly be a lot of ideas about what it's not, uh, checks with local authorities and that sort of thing to find out if we can resolve this and put everybody's mind to, to rest on it. When we come back, I'm gonna take a look at uh, possible, some of the solutions for the drones, as we've mentioned briefly, and see if we can't figure out a little bit more about what is going on in Colorado, Nebraska and Wyoming. And I hate to do this. I did a book called Conversations, which is completely off this topic, but it's a nice little book that deals with the possibility of past life regressions and that sort of thing. And I think it's a good story. I'm just always stunned that it doesn't get more publicity and isn't uh, thought of better than, than it is. If you're interested in Jack the Ripper, if you're interested in some of that thing, these things are covered in the book and I think it'll give you an interesting perspective. But as I say, I will be back in just a moment and we'll be talking more about drones unless I go off on a tangent. So please stick around.
4: Audience, if you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on Skype, XZone Radio TV. For more information on the XZone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com. X-Zone Radio TV.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net Until next, we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember, X-Zone Nation. keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
5: Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404-
2: Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is A Different Perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. When we went away, or when I went away, we were talking about the drones in Colorado. And now uh, some people were getting very worried about them, upset about them. I don't know if hysterical is the right word, but there was a lot of discussion going on. Made the national news. So Colorado sets up a state task force, but it was created after a flight, a flight for life helicopter pilot reported a drone had come close to his aircraft. So now we're getting to the point where the drones are becoming dangerous. And I know that uh, rotor blades are very, very sensitive. And uh, the slightest little thing can set up a vibration that is very, very dangerous. Uh, so if you flew a drone through the rotor disk of a, of a helicopter and it collided with the disk and it didn't really have to dent it much or do much damage to it, it could set up these what we call one-to-one vibrations, and they could re- literally shake the aircraft apart. So they set up a task force. There were representatives of 77 different agencies, including the military, including the federal government, including law enforcement, including the newspapers, including everybody who was interested in this, for kind of a closed-door briefing in Brush, Colorado. Again, that's in northeastern Colorado, driven through the town many, many times. The FAA requested uh, information from many different companies and agencies and said, during this this meeting, we have not been able to determine that any of these operators, mean the drone operators, were uh, the, the operators of these companies, I'm sorry, were the the source of the drones. And it again mentioned that the drones seem to be operating in an area that contains the missile fields from Francis E. Warren Air Force Base. So they're wondering if it's some kind of surveillance of the missile silos, the missile sites, but it's not anything that's being done by the people at Warren Air Force Base because they say no, we don't. We're not doing that. It's not us because once again, if they were doing it, there's no reason for them not to uh, talk about it. Say it. The sheriff of Lincoln County he set up a drone patrol, so he had his deputies out looking for the drones, and we got a new description from uh, uh, Lincoln County. He said, an abnormal red light appears on the horizon, and then a drone flies over. Um, It's square in shape. Well, we all know what a drone looks like with the four points, maybe six points of the rotor blades there. Uh, With red lights at the corners and a white light in the middle, flying at about 45 miles an hour and at a few hundred feet and admitting a low hum or a high-pitched whine. So we're talking about something more than the, the hobbyist drones that, that we've talked about before, because I know my drone does not admit a low pitch hum or a high-pitched whine, but it does have the lights. So there you go. So let's, uh, let's get into some statistics, because when we're doing UFO reports, we do statistics, and we analyze the data in that fashion. They said they're have been about 90 drone reports from from the hysteria that I was getting through the news media. I thought it was much higher than that. But in this article that talked about the breakdown of statistics, they said that the drone reports began at the end of November, not in the middle of December or late December, as the Denver Post story said. And these statistics went into the middle of January of this year. Of those reports that were investigated and they were able to learn something, 14 were small hobby drones. So we're back to people having fun with their with their drones and probably not trying to cause any trouble until they learn about this, and then they're out flying it to create create problems. Um, there were 23 reports, which included the 90, from January 6th to February January 13th. And again, they said 13 of those were small hobby drones. Stars or planets. And this is something that's happened with UFO sightings that I've noticed as well. When you get a report that gathers, garners some sort of publicity, whether it's national or just local uh, publicity, whether it's on the the television or it's printed in newspapers, you get people going out and looking where they wouldn't have been doing that before. I was in Grant County, Wisconsin, in the sheriff's office because they were having a series of UFO sightings there. And I was in the office when a call came in and a guy said a UFO was landing in his backyard. One of the sheriff's deputies says to me, you wanna go? And I said, sure, let's go. We get to the guy's house, he takes us through, we get to the backyard and he points to a flashing red light on the horizon. And he says, there it is, it's been hovering there for the last 30 minutes. And I looked at the deputies and they looked at me And we realized it was a red flashing light on the top of a radio tower. He had just never noticed it before. I don't know how long he'd lived in the house. But he was reporting to us something that he should have known was in his local area. We had another similar event where a guy called and we went there and he pointed up at this white object that looked like it was moving. It was the moon and there was a lot of low hanging clouds and there was a high wind and the clouds were moving really fast and it gave an impression of motion to the moon. But the guy was looking at the moon for crying out loud. So I know people make these mistakes. They're not familiar with what's in the sky around them. They're not familiar with seeing the stuff under unusual circumstances. So when they say that some of the drone sightings were stars and planets, I'm on board, especially if you're looking at, at, at Venus, um, at it, it closest approach to the earth it can be extremely bright it can look like it's shooting rays down to the the ground and all sorts of weird stuff so you know uh, you, you've got to uh, you got to understand that six of these six of these sightings were commercial aircraft if you've got a high-flying aircraft and the wind's blowing the wrong way you'll never hear the sound from it and you just see the lights and the orientation of the lights and where you're standing can Make it look really, really strange. I once was watching what I thought was a dome disc until the aircraft turned and I heard the jet engines and I realized what it was. But the configuration of the lights from my perspective gave me the impression of a dome disc. But I, was, I watched it for like 10 or 15 seconds before I realized what it was. And of those, four were confirmed as unidentified. They were drones. I mean, nobody knew where they were coming from. The other thing I should point out here is there was a phenomenon in, I think I say out of Washington, but on the on the um, west coast, in the early 1950s, where people were reporting um, their windshields were being pitted by the all the atomic tests going on in the air uh, in the Pacific, and the wind was blowing the radiation and stuff, and it was pitting their windshields. And when the uh, scientists investigated, what they found out was, and and anybody who's Driven a car understands this. You don't look at the windshield; you look through it. But when they started the stories talking about the windshield pitting, people began looking at their windshields and they noticed pitting that had been there. They just hadn't noticed it before because you're looking through the windshield. So I can understand some of this. Some of this. But as they say, you know, the statistics were beginning to look a lot like the thing we see with UFO sightings. Lots of reports, lots of people not understanding what they're seeing, and. Uh, Very few that aren't identified in some fashion. And like I said, those identifications that we talked about include stars and planets and other astronomical phenomena, weather-related phenomena, strange lights, all that sort of thing. Again, the military has thousands of drones, some as large as single-engine aircraft. But the uh, air force when they're when they're doing their inspections, whenever they do it, are using small drones, and the other drones really aren't doing much in uh, the united states and the, and uh, the drones being used are really out of out of a visible range for people and there were some ridiculous things going on, and as I mentioned, some observers believe that UFOs could be alien visitors other locals uh, say what they were seeing was merely quadrucopper-style drones. So you've got an argument about alien visitors and the and the kind of drones. As they said, there's nothing about these sightings that's inconsistent with drone technologies. So why do we reach for the most extreme explanation, Seth, what is Shotak, an astronomer with study, said, said. You know, why, why say aliens when you've got the uh, drones? Um... So so that's what he told to the Daily Beast, which is a uh, newspaper in the Colorado area. And uh, and then we get into the silly where they're talking about um, everybody knows that alien spacecraft prefer the American Southwest. Uh, it must be the Tex-Mex cuisine. So we get into the end the silly. and. You know, once again, I'm I'm thinking. Well, maybe this should be an outrageous comment, but then you think about it, and you think, well, not not so much because um, we're dealing with something that's not really malicious, is not really dangerous. As the law enforcement pointed out repeatedly, nobody's really been hurt. We've got a close approach by a couple of uh, a drone to a couple of aircraft, but nothing nothing was damaged, and um, maybe we're being a little bit overly serious about this, and maybe a little levity is just the thing that we need to talk about. And and as they said in the newspapers repeatedly, the Air Force and other military branches operate thousands of unmanned drone vehicles ranging from airliner-sized Global Hawk spy drones to Reaper Hunter killers the size of Cessnas. The military equipped many of its ground units and shipped with hand-launched drones, including quadricopic-style models. And and they use those for reconnaissance, they got cameras on them. The guy's sitting there with his laptop. They fly it over the ridgeline. They they know if the enemy's there, if there's an ambush there. They're they're becoming a, a, an important part of the battlefield. So so you know there's the potential for the military doing this sort of thing, but none of the military installations around that area would cop to it. And I, I don't. There's no reason for them not to explain it if they were doing it. I'm going to break off here before we get to the c- civilian solution for the drones, which uh, we came up. And we'll talk about that in the last segment. Once again, I would like to ask you to take a look at the copy of uh, Roswell in the 21st Century. I think it is a good compendium of what we know about Roswell that uh, may clarify some of the points. And as I say, I'll be back with some of the civilian solutions to the drone problem when we come back. So please stick around. took our break, I had reached the point where I was going to talk about some of the civilian solutions to the drone problem. And I think this is why we don't hear much about the drones anymore. I mean, it was big news in December, and it's pretty much faded away. And maybe it's because we've gotten into the nonsensical uh, presidential primary cycle here in the United States or something, I don't know. But anyhow, um, these stories have kind of disappeared. So what we've learned is Michael Spicer of Durango, Colorado, told the journal Advocate that a group known as Archangel Recon from Wichita has been chasing what he believes is the mysterious unidentified aerial phenomena, the UAPs that we've mentioned periodically, first encountered by a Navy pilot in 2014. I don't understand that connection, but this is what he said. He said the group was trying to track what they believe is a new technology aircraft, some have dubbed the TIC-TAC, because of how it was described by the Navy reports. So there's something he's looking for, they're trying to, to, I guess, spy on the next generation of aircraft. He said not only was his group tracking the so-called TIC-TAC itself, but also another aircraft they believe was flying underneath it. Spicer said he couldn't confirm that all of the stories told by people about the drones could be attributed to the Archangel Recon's flights, but did say the group sends up flights of between six and 12 drones that fly patterns based on longitude and latitude, which is why they appeared to be flying grid patterns. So now we've, we finally got to some guy who's talking about what they were doing. He said the group was unaware of the stir caused by his drones until he was contacted recently by the FAA. He said he was interviewed by Special Agent Michael Bomberger of the FAA's Investigations Law Enforcement Assistance Program. He said none of the arch uh Recon's drones were ever flown anywhere near an, any airport and that they did not encounter any other civilian aircraft. So he's saying we're out there doing this thing. We're using drones to look for experimental aircraft, alien spacecraft, whatever. Um, but they were keeping the um, the drones away from spaceports. And not uh, spaceports, although there is a spaceport in New Mexico, by the way, if you look at the maps. Uh, and it's not Roswell, it's actually um, White Sands has an emergency landing strip for the shuttle, which I wanted to clarify that spaceport comment. But uh, the point simply is they were following the regulations as the FAA is set down, uh, following um, VFR rules, staying away from the airports and restricted areas and that sort of thing. There was another explanation for it as well, and it was the EPA was flying the drones, counting cattle to see if the ranchers were in violation of waste disposal. They were counting the number of cars, the number of cows, and compared it to the manure that was being, shall we say, created. So they were trying to see if there was some kind of pollution going on. And the ranchers were underreporting the number of cows they had to reduce the possibility of fines or penalties or whatever. So that's kind of where we are. I mean, we've got we've got two explanations that seem perfectly logical. And there's no reason to reject Spicer and his comments or or the EPA's uh, ideas. But what, what do we conclude from all this? Well, as I said, there's a parallel between UFO reports and reports of these drones. People are disturbed by what they see in the sky, although I, I'm not sure why, because the uh, law enforcement and everybody said that it's not malicious, there's no danger. The witnesses provide what sounds like accurate descriptions for the most part, and if they don't provide accurate descriptions, you're not going to be able to identify anything. And the fact that some of these things were identified by as hobby drones and other natural phenomenon tells us that we're getting good descriptions from the witnesses, meaning uh, times and, and directions and altitudes and that sort of thing. Even if they're standing on the ground and pointing up to where I saw the thing, it gives you an idea of how fi- how high the thing could have been. Law enforcement, the FAA, the military are confused by the object. They don't know what it is, but it's because they're not responsible for it, and these things are being reported to them. And as I said, the big difference between UFOs and what's going on here is we know the drones exist, but we have questions of whether or not UFOs are alien spacecraft. And we know a lot of UFO reports um, are uh, misidentifications. The reports of the drones were all taken seriously, and the reports of UFOs, at least traditionally, in the last (laughs) 50 years, have been... uh, traditionally rejected or, or made fun of. You know, um, one of the first headlines I remember was from 1947, where it reported drones were seen in like 38 states, but not Kansas, because Kansas was a dry state. The implication being, if you're seeing a flying saucer, you're drunk. And I think that was, that was kind of the thing after the first couple of weeks of UFO reports and as, as, as things were going on, it moved into the realm of ridicule. Uh, what we know, and I, I, I hated to use the term hysteria, but it kind of gripped the area. And, and what that means, again, people were looking for the drones. They're outside looking for the drones. Some people are kind of frightened by the whole thing going on. They don't know what's happening. The, the fear of the unknown is, is great. But we see by the statistics that I mentioned a minute ago that everyday items are misidentified. So we have, we have that problem as well. After weeks of investigation by all sorts of people, and I guess wasting an awful lot of time and money, uh, we see some solutions, hobbyists with their toys. Not a problem. And, and I would imagine that once the information began being publicized that people with their drones were out there having a little bit of fun. The Wichita, Wichita company chasing drones. Wichita, we're talking about Wichita, Kansas, which is in... The eastern part of Kansas, it's a long ways to the area where the drones are being seen in Colorado, Nebraska, and uh, Wyoming. Warren Air Force Base mentions they do have some drones, but they're not responsible for this. And unless they're using the drones to check their missile fields, in which case they might deny it because that might I don't know pinpoint where the missile silos are, but I mean, you drive around enough county roads, you're going to see the evidence of the missile silos because they're well guarded and they're fenced in, and, and it's obvious what they are when you see, the, see them. So I, I can I can't imagine why they would keep this secret if they were actually secret if they were actually doing this simply because it makes no sense. I think where we end up here is much ado about nothing. There was no malicious attempt that has been observed. No one was injured, as I mentioned, and it seems that those flying the drones are not in violation of FAA regulations, though it seems that new rec- new regulations are being proposed. And that was one of the things I noticed in some of the articles that uh, I had looked at was ideas of what regulations needed to be proposed to prevent accidents between drones and, and aircraft. And, and the other thing, what if you get a drone high enough and get sucked into a jet engine? It cause an engine failure, <clears throat> you know? Uh, getting close to a helicopter through the rotor blades, going close to a private airplane and get sucked through the propeller. You know, I mean, it, it can cause damage and can bring down an aircraft. So we, we've got to take a look at all of that. But the latest that I could find, and I was looking for something um, more recent on this sort of thing, but the number of sightings are down and I think it's because people have moved on. It's just no longer a fascinating thing. and. The holidays are over, we're all back to work, more or less. Um, So we don't have an opportunity to do that. But what I saw here was the way flying saucers should have been investigated in 1947. And I think that in the beginning, the military was doing that. But once they realized there was no threat to national security, that there was no alien invasion coming, that it wasn't Soviet inspired. They no longer cared. And, and then we got into the idea where uh, people were seeing spots before their eyes. They were fooled by natural phenomenon. A good investigation should have been conducted, and we should know about it. And I, I know there are areas of the UFO phenomena where the investigation was conducted, and we do not have those records yet. We still get redacted reports and things like that. So I think that, uh, you know, unless everything is hidden under a blanket of natural, national security, which sometimes happens, um, we would know a lot more. For those interested in the uh, information about drones, there is what else? Yes, a Facebook page for the Drone Intelligence Center, Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming. I will get the um, website linked on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, so that you can link to it and see what they have to say and see what the latest information is. And apropos of nothing at all, I had a thought that the Colorado Drones would be a good name for a sports team or a rock band. Just struck my mind there. Bottom line to this, I think, is the interest is eroded. The reports seem to be way down and people are off doing something else which I'm gonna be doing here in just a moment. Um, if you enjoyed this, if you like the kind of investigation done here without a guess, with me kind of seeing what I had found, um, injecting my thoughts and um, evaluations in all of this, send, put a note in the comments section, don't have to publish it if, I don't, if you don't want me to, but uh, let me know what you think. And if, you, if you've enjoyed this, we'll, we'll do some more of them because there's any number that, that can be done um uh, the blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and as i say i'll put a little bit more information up there so you can see what's um you can you can make your own research to see if uh, i've satisfied uh, the requirements of an investigation into this phenomenon Roswell in the 21st century i mention this every week i think it provides a very good look of what was going on in Roswell uh, in 1947 Encounter in the Desert gives a good look at an Air Force investigation, Lonnie Zamora sighting, and some other ancillary information. I will be back next week with David Schindel talking about missile sightings and UFOs. So join us in about 167 hours. Thanks for listening.